0: Right, please put your finger into Romans chapter 14, verse 17. Well, chapter 14, I should say. We'll get to verse 17. But open them up to Acts 13. We're going to read a portion from Acts chapter 13. Read a portion there, then turn over to Romans chapter 14. So Acts chapter 13. We'll commence reading at verse 44. Acts Chapter 13, verse 44. We'll read to the end of the chapter and then to one verse in Romans chapter 14. Acts 13, verse 14. 44, let's hear the word of God. And the next Sabbath day came almost the whole city together to hear the word of God. But when the Jews saw the multitudes, they were filled with envy and spake against those things which were spoken by Paul, contradicting and blaspheming. Then Paul and Barnabas waxed bold and said, It was necessary that the word of God should first have been spoken to you, but seeing ye put it from you, and judge yourselves unworthy of everlasting life, lo, we turn to the Gentiles. For so hath the Lord commanded us, saying, I have set thee to be a light of the Gentiles, that thou shouldst be for salvation unto the ends of the earth. When the Gentiles heard this, they were glad and glorified the word of the Lord, and as many as were ordained to eternal life believed. And the word of the Lord was published throughout all the region. But the Jews stirred up the devout and honorable women, and the chief men of the city, and raised persecution against Paul and Barnabas, and expelled them out of their coasts. But they shook off the dust of their feet against them, and came unto Iconium. And the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Ghost. Now Romans chapter 14, and we're going to look at verse 17. For the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. God will bless that reading of His Word for His name's sake. Would you bow with me for a moment in prayer? Let's seek the Lord together. Father in heaven, in Christ Jesus' name, we come around the throne. This band of believers who need a word from thee, grant that word, we pray. Fill thy servant with thy spirit and bear him along in the message. Grant that thy people will hear that same Holy Ghost preached to them through the written word. May it be a word in season, a word that establishes and strengthens and settles thy people. In Christ's name we pray, amen. My text is, verse 17, well known, the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but it is righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. From that text, I want to speak to you this afternoon on a vital element of the Christian life, the joy, the joy of the Holy Spirit. You recall that in Paul's list of the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians 5, he puts the fruit of joy just after the fruit, the first fruit of love. Love, joy, peace. So joy is second. As to why the Holy Spirit put love at the head of the list, it would appear that just as love is the fulfilling of the law just as the command to love contains all the rest of the commandments. So this fruit of love is comprehensive of all of the other fruit of the Spirit. Perhaps I'd be more accurate in saying that out of the grace of love arise the other fruits of the Spirit. Where there is the fruit of love From that grows the joy, and the peace, and the long-suffering, and the meekness, and the temperance, and the goodness. Therefore, by its very placement in this list of the Spirit's fruits in Galatians 5, the Holy Spirit has given the fruit of joy a very prominent place in the Christian's life. He didn't put peace second, meekness, long-suffering, goodness, temperance. put joy. And that's in keeping with the general testimony in Scripture of this grace. I want to stress it's a grace, this grace of joy. Nehemiah said to the people in Jerusalem who were weeping over their sin that had been exposed by the law of God, stop weeping. The joy of the Lord is your strength. You don't have joy, you do not have strength. That's pretty important, I would say. David indicates that joy beats at the very heart of the worship of God because he declares in Psalm 27, verse 6, that he would, quote, offer in the tabernacle sacrifices of joy. The Lord Jesus Christ indicates in John chapter 15, verse 11, that his great purpose in giving his people his word was in order that their, I quote, joy might be full. John picks up on that in his first epistle, 1 John chapter 1, verse 4. These things I write unto you that your joy might be full. I'm writing this epistle so you can be a people who know and experience Joy. Joy. And here in our text, the apostle says the very essence of the kingdom of God is not meat and drink. It was not all these little legalistic regulations they were fighting about in the church at Rome, between the, the Jews and the Gentiles, the ones who felt, I've got freedom to eat. What I want to eat, when I want to eat it. And the Jews were still hung up on the mosaic Traditions, No, you can't do that. You're carnal if you do that. So they were fighting. And he points out, listen, the kingdom of God is not meat and drink. It's not all these uh, regulations, these minor things that aren't essential. The essence of the kingdom of God is righteousness and joy and peace in the Holy Ghost. Joy in the Holy Ghost. So we can say... Unequivocally, therefore, that the joy of the Lord, the joy of the Holy Spirit, is the rightful possession of every one of Christ's redeemed people. And I have to add, it's their rightful possession now. I say now because God's people are very sure, and and rightfully so, that there's coming a time... When they die, they will, as Christ puts it in Matthew 25, enter into the joy of the Lord. And they're very sure that when that time comes, it will be a time of full and perfect joy, like they've never been able to imagine. What must it be like to be there? What must it be like to be in heaven? They know that it will be a joy that's without any interruption. No, no, no interruption caused by sin or sadness or sorrow. For the Lord himself is going to wipe away all tears from their eyes forever. Gone. That'll be a wonderful day. And they have every confidence if they believe their Bible that never has been, never will be joy like that joy. Joy and they'll spend it an eternity with God but while every believer is certain they will enter into the joy of the Lord they aren't so certain when it comes to the joy of the Lord entering them they have far more experience with sadness with pain with grief Than they do with the joy of the Spirit. So many of God's people lament that they experience little real joy, if any at all. They seem to live continually in a valley of gloom. They have very few days, they will tell you, where they experience this joy of the Lord. Oh, they may laugh and experience a kind of happiness in their circumstances at times, but they know that this this joy in the Spirit is something quite different from this happiness. So when they read verses like Galatians 5.22, where Paul says that one of the fruit of the Spirit is joy, they begin to wonder if they're a child of God at all because they don't seem to have this joy. And those who have the spirit have this joy. Why don't I have this joy? So without it, the, the scope of their understanding of the joy of the Lord, you can see why their experience of that joy seems non-existent. Rather, they experience fear, not joy, but fear because they doubt whether or not the Spirit of God is in them because they don't have this joy. They may say, I'm not really happy, but let's get beyond the word happy. It's, I'm, I don't have this joy. But you know, folks, there's no reason to be afraid of Galatians 5.22 nor any other text that describes God's people as a people of joy. No reason for that. And the way, the best way to remove the fear and the worry is by understanding the truth about the joy of the Holy Spirit. We're going to look just at two things this afternoon. What is it? And how do you get it? How is it nurtured? What is it? Or the nature of the joy of the Spirit? And then, how is it nurtured? So, let's let's spend a few moments on this joy of the Holy Spirit, the nature of it. Before making any comments about what it is, I want to point out what it isn't, what the joy of the Spirit is not. And it is certainly not to be confused with happiness. Happiness, as we all, it's commonly understood, has to do with our present set of circumstances. What is happening, so the word happiness comes from that. What is happening to us, things or events or people that make us feel good inside. They might make us laugh It might make us forget about something that's really eating at us or bothering us. That's what comedians do, you know. They tell jokes, and the point is, of course, to try to get people to forget about the things that aren't funny, the things that make them sad. Truth be known that most comedians are troubled with depression. And this is just their escape for themselves to deal with the depression, the sadness. Well, that's not what we're dealing with we talk about the joy of the spirit. A young lady, for instance, might be happy because the man she loves has just proposed to her. And there's this big rock he sets before her eyes. She's happy. Thrilled. Can't wait to tell mom and dad. If he's done the right thing, he called dad first. Anyway, he's going to have your daughter's hand in marriage, but that's another story altogether. But she's happy. Very happy. The winner of the lottery may be happy because he's just come extremely wealthy. That's a set of circumstances. A husband and the wife are happy because the wife has just given birth to a healthy baby. But in all those scenarios, and so, so many more like them, the happiness is based on the current set of circumstances. The happiness will disappear if the fiancé changes his mind and backs out of the engagement. It was temporary. And the happiness of the lotto winner will disappear when all of his money has been spent... Or he finds out that the money didn't do for him what he thought it would do for him. And the happiness of the new parents will disappear if the child dies unexpectedly not long after childbirth. But the joy of the Spirit, on the other hand, can and will remain in spite of the circumstances in spite of how unpleasant or unhappy those circumstances might be. We sang about that in that hymn, Jesus Only, tonight. In general sense, general, joy is the response of the mind to anything that is pleasurable. The response of the mind to anything that is pleasurable. It's the pleasure that someone feels at at the remembrance, the possession of, or the prospect of having something that he believes, she believes is valuable. The joy of the Spirit is the experience of that pleasure lifted, of course, to a much higher level. So how does that, what's that look like in real life, in real time? First, When we speak about the nature of the joy of the spirit. What is it? The joy of the spirit in the first place. Is the pleasure a believer experiences. Whenever the Holy Ghost reveals God's love for him. In Christ. That's first. The joy of the spirit. Is the pleasure a believer. The pleasure. A believer feels. Whenever the Holy Ghost reveals God's love for him. In Christ. Example in Romans 5, Paul writes that the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost. A more literal translation of that would be God has poured out. He has poured out his love into our hearts by the ministry of the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit makes the believer conscious of this Ephesians 2 four this great love wherewith he loved us enables the believer to believe from the heart that God gave Christ for him. See, as long as it remains just up here in this brain, as long as it's only something in the intellect, it doesn't affect anything with, as far as our heart is concerned and feeling pleasure at something that we think is valuable. It's just a fact that we check off. It's when the Holy Ghost actually pours out God's love for us. Something that he alone can do. I can't do it. I guess there's a part of me that wishes I could. That I could stand and just being able to preach this truth right now. I could... Somehow make you feel this in your own soul. But all I can do is set the truth before you. And what I know right now is that no matter how much I might preach with all of my heart, unless the Holy Ghost brings that to be a reality in your soul, it will still stay in your brain and won't actually affect your own personal joy in your life. The Holy Ghost has to do this. If he does not do it, it will not get done. And you will not experience this joy of the Lord because there's not been the pouring out. The reality, the Lord loves me in Christ. That that revelation, that, that communication of the spirit to a man's soul will and must produce joy. certainly that God loves us in spite of our sins. In spite of our many, many failures to walk as we should walk. In spite of our coldness of heart. The fact that he loves us in spite, in the face of all of that. It should and it will produce joy. Regardless of our present circumstances. I'm sure you've, Mr. Bannister has related to you the story of one of Charles Hodge's students. Charles Hodge being the great systematic theologian at Princeton. And he went up to Hodge after class and said, Dr. Hodge, what is the greatest theological truth? He leaned back in his chair and he said, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. And spiritual joy is simply the response of a mind that has been lightened to that truth by the Spirit of God. It's it's that simple. That's what the Holy Ghost does. The joy of the Spirit, secondly, is the delight, or the pleasure, if you will, the Christian has when the Holy Spirit enables him, her, to see something... Of the blessings that he has in Christ. We all know Ephesians 1, 2. That we have been blessed with all spiritual blessings. I'm sure you can rattle it off as well as I can rattle it off. Blessed with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Do you believe that? Do you believe that? We have been already Blessed. With all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. It's very plain, very clear, can't mistake it. Every Christian has been blessed, has been with all spiritual blessings in Christ. You see, It's like it is with everything else in in the Christian life. It's, It's one thing to read it. It's one thing to hear a preacher stand up and say it. And maybe say it several times as I have just done that. But it's something altogether different to see it with the eye of faith. That's different. The primary work of the Holy Spirit. The primary work. Is to reveal and glorify Jesus Christ. That is his main work. To reveal and glorify Jesus Christ. Paul, for instance, his comment on that truth is found in 1 Corinthians 2.12. Where he writes that we have received the spirit of God. That in order that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God. So we've received the Spirit in order that, for this purpose, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God. That's what he does. He shows more and more and more of what God has given to us in Jesus Christ. Our greatest need, therefore, is to see the fullness and to see the freeness of God's provisions for his people in Christ and see them in every situation. There's the rub, I say. See them in every situation. You, it seems to be a lot easier to see them when, you know, the sun is shining, the lake of life is smooth, and there's no really big problems that have come into your life. Everything is just ticking along nicely. Yes, I can, I can see all those wonderful blessings that we have in that situation, but when your world is crashing down, when you reach for roses and you find nothing but thorns, when all hell breaks loose in your home, then, in that situation, with the eye of faith, to see, to believe, that I have been blessed with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ Jesus is something the only the Holy Ghost can give you the ability to do. If we can be brought to that place, then you and I will be able to rise above our circumstances, our feelings, our failures, and our fears, and go on walking with Christ in the joy of the Spirit. I mean, really, folks, who wants to live in the valley of gloom? Anybody here? Is that where you want to live your life? Wouldn't it be far more enjoyable if you would walk in the joy of the Lord, the joy of the Spirit, regardless of circumstances in life? Thirdly, the joy of the Spirit is the gladness the believer experiences just because just because the Holy Spirit indwells him. Oh, a little little word of testimony when I was a boy of 12. I was raised in a Bible-believing church and heard the gospel with Sunday school class all my life. But it was at the end of a summer I was 12 years old, and you talk about becoming aware of my sin. I became aware of my sinfulness. And I was in this back row of this church up in Maryland, and another Sunday, there in church, in the morning message, he preached the gospel. I couldn't tell you where he was from, but he just preached about heaven and hell. And that Sunday morning, things were different for me. Hell became very real. And this particular pastor, he didn't give altar calls, but he did ask people who were concerned about their souls to raise their hand. And my heart was racing at 1,000 miles a minute. I was under conviction. The church was built right on a major boulevard. I and mean, there was a sidewalk and in the boulevard. The Cars are racing up and down. And I was literally thinking, I'm going to go out here. I'm going to fall off the sidewalk. I'll be killed by a car. I'm going to go to hell. That's what was going on in my mind. So he asked for those to raise their hands who were concerned about their souls. And this, 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 this 12-year-old boy's hand went up and it was shaking the whole way up. And he said, but you may have often heard, I see that hand. You can put it down. Whew, I thought I'd dodge the bullet. He waited some more. Okay, closing the service. I'd like to ask all those who raised their hands to stay behind. Now my heart is really racing. I've got to go in that back room and talk to this guy. Well, I went, and Brother Lou, as he's known as, still preaching in that same church. He's 80-some years old. He's still in that same church. He led me to the Lord. I walked out of that church on air. My dad had been sitting out in that little Ford Falcon we had, waiting for me to come out. I was so happy. Sin had been forgiven. I was a child who was, you know, difficult, putting it mildly. I would argue with my mother all the time. Argue, 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 argue. And I was walking out that day, I said to the Lord, I don't want to argue with my mom anymore. Don't want to do that anymore. Things had changed. And for the first time in my life, I experienced the joy of the Holy Spirit. First time. Thankfully, not the last. But just because, I didn't have any experiences of life, you know, as Christians have later on. But just because the Holy Ghost was now indwelling me, there was joy. Real joy. Never known it before. The reason that the kingdom of God, as Paul described it here, that that is real Christianity, that's real Christianity, is joy in the Holy Ghost is because the Holy Ghost is in God's people. The gospel of Christ, you see, it has no power in and of itself to create spiritual joy apart from the exercise of the Spirit's power. All of your Bible reading, all of your praying, any means of grace you want to talk about, they are absolutely powerless in and of themselves if there is not the actual moving Of the Holy Spirit upon those means of grace. It'll just be I've had my devotions for today. I've read my Bible. I've said my prayers and off I go. But you see it requires something else. Than just the mere activity. And we make a terrible mistake. When we think that that. Can take care of. Our joy. Because it won't. Coming to church. Faithfully. Faithfully. Sitting and listening to all the sermons. I'll tell you one thing I know. If the Holy Ghost doesn't actually preach to you. This is going to go in one ear and out the other. It will not change your life at all. It will not change your thinking at all. That's the fact. The Holy Ghost dwells within our souls. That's why this joy is called the fruit of the spirit. It comes from him. Not your circumstances from him. It was the Holy Ghost who created that joy in the first place. The first time when he brought us from death unto life, and the the, the continuance of that joy depends on the ministry of the Holy Spirit within us. I would think, you know, after well we need the Holy Ghost. The last thing we want to do is to grieve him. The apostle speaks of quenching the Holy Spirit. Like pouring cold water on his influences. Dampening. Not getting, you know, from the preaching or the reading of the word of God or the place of prayer. Not getting what we could get because he's been grieved. He's been quenched. And what, what, what keeps coming through here, at least this day, this Sabbath day, with this congregation, we need the Holy Ghost like we can't begin to imagine. How are we going to see Christ if the Holy Ghost does not reveal Him? How? How are we going to obey the commandments if the Holy Ghost does not exercise His grace and empower us and strengthen us and grant us deepening desires to be like the Lord Jesus Christ? How is that going to happen? How are we going to be joyful When the Lord takes your child when he takes your spouse when he takes your mom or your dad and they're gone and your heart is shattered how are you going to walk in the joy of the spirit if not of the spirit's enabling? You see there's so much more to the Christian life than we're experiencing totally apart from any revival revival that's the unusual outpouring of God's spirit it's rare it doesn't last long in comparison those extraordinary examples of his power being displayed they really are short lived I am just talking about now the daily walking in the power of the Spirit, in the joy of the Lord. There is so very much that we could enjoy and we're not. Don't you think there's more, much more than you're experiencing? Is there not is there not greater heights to go to is there not more more experience of Christ's love for us Is there not greater joy? Is there not greater peace? Is there not greater meekness and temperance and long-suffering? Is there not more? Is there not, there's fruit? Yes, thank God for it. We have to have it. But is there not more fruit? And is there not much fruit? Surely there is. I mean, who just wants to, you know, eke out an existence as a Christian? Just to get by another day. To get my job, get my income, make, make my, uh, my rise in the workplace and all those things. What good does it do at the end of the day if there is not this fruit in us that makes us useful to the Lord, glorifies Him? So my point is you and I can only truly know, truly know the joy of our salvation as the Holy Ghost gives us this up-to-date experience of the gospel and of our position in Christ. This up-to-date experience. The experience of spiritual joy, and that's what we're talking about. The experience of spiritual joy it's never merely the joy of something you experienced in the past. However real that was, however great it was, it's, it's not just something. Well, I remember when the joy of the Spirit is a grace that of which we should have a fresh experience, an ongoing experience. Not once in a blue moon, every now and then. We read Acts 13. The early disciples were persecuted for the sake of the gospel. Paul and Barnabas were driven from Antioch. It was bad. But Luke says in spite of that persecution that the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Ghost. Notice how the Holy Ghost, in inspiring those words, put those two things together. Because when you are filled with the Holy Ghost, you will be filled with joy. When you are not filled with the Holy... Notice that, they were filled, they possessed the Holy Ghost already because they were believers you get that? Did you catch that? Now they're filled with the Holy Ghost. They had been indwelled by him, but now they're filled with the Holy Ghost and in conjunction with that, they're filled with the Holy Spirit. That was a fresh filling. That was an up-to-date experience. It's because he indwells us and ministers to us that we experience spiritual joy of any kind and there's no other way to obtain it. We do not have to work up this joy. You cannot do it. Our joy does not rest in our circumstances and our joy does not rest in our personality there are some people you know are just they just seem to be happy all the time that's not what I'm talking about it's nothing to do with personality our joy rests in God in who he is and what he has done for us in Christ. That's where our joy rests. That's where it comes from. From me thy fruit is found. That's the word of Jehovah. From me thy fruit is found. And that means the fruit of joy. Now, secondly and finally, the nurturing of the joy of the Spirit. How does the Spirit produce this joy? I mean, do you want to be unjoyful? I mean, I know, I know Christians who think that holiness is really being morose. Just. Mm. We, we don't want to be like that. You know, you'll you read several times in Scripture of holy laughter holy left. how does the spirit produce this joy in Christ's people I want you to listen carefully because it has everything to do with the extent of our joy in the Holy Ghost the extent of it how much we have it first he nurtures his joy within us, by witnessing to us of Christ. This is his main work, to show Christ to us, to reveal Christ to us, to open our minds to see more of Christ. Since, as we've already seen, that joy is the delight a Christian has when the Spirit enables him to see those blessings, at least something of all those wonderful blessings he has in Jesus Christ, then it only follows that our joy increases the more he witnesses to us of Christ. The more he testifies to our souls through his truth of what we have in Jesus Christ. It only adds up to and two is still four. The more we see of that, the more we believe that, the more we're going to be joyful. And it won't matter what the circumstances are. In the first place, the Spirit... Witnesses to the believer of the possessions he has in Christ. The possessions he has in Christ. So, what does he witness to? He witnesses to us that we have, for instance, in Christ, we have election. You'll reform people here, right? You believe in the doctrine of election. That we were chosen in Christ before the foundation of the world. Others were passed over sovereignly. God left them to their sin. We were all, Romans chapter 9, we were all the same lump. All of the same lump. But it pleased God to take some from that same lump and make them vessels of mercy. And he left the others to be vessels of wrath. And you, if you're a believer, were not passed over, and you were not left to be a vessel of wrath. If you had been left to be a vessel of wrath, there is no hope for you. It's only the vessels of mercy that will be in the joy of heaven. But he didn't pass you by. He chose to save you. He chose to set his love upon you. And when he elected you unto eternal life, he knew every little thing about you. There, there was no little secret that God missed. He knew every sin you would ever commit, every foul word you would ever utter, every foul thought you would ever have, every foul deed you would ever do throughout your entire lifetime. And still, still, he said, he's mine. Vile though he is, he's mine. He'll be a child of mine one day. And I'm choosing him in Christ, my son. Always, always chosen in Christ from the foundation of the world. I can get pretty joyful with election. Once that decree was made, it's done. It is done. I will be in glory because God chose me. No matter what happens circumstantial wise here in life, I know how the story ends because I was chosen to be in glory. So, folks, everything is okay, isn't it? It's all right. Whatever, whatever we have to endure, we're elect. We're going to glory. Mm. The little baby gets excited. Mm. It's in Christ. The Holy Ghost comes and reveals that truth. The more you see it, the more you see it with the eye of faith, the happier you are. Predestination, predestined. Not afraid of it. Appointed. It's the end. Adoption, placed, the Holy Ghost reveals to us we are adopted, placed as sons in the family of God. We have all the rights of sonship because Jesus Christ is our elder brother. We're sons in the family, we're children in the family, adopted, full rights. We can call him our father, believe we are his children. And all that goes along with that, the promise of providing for his children, of protecting his children, of loving them, no matter what they do. You see, that's what moms and dads do. They love their children no matter what they do. Nothing they will ever do will undo the fact that they're my children. Do things that would grieve me, bring me to tears, but nothing can undo the fact they're my children. We're adopted, full rights in Christ, redemption in Christ. Redeemed by the blood, redeemed, bought out of the marketplace of sin, slaves to Satan, slaves to sin, and Jesus Christ comes and pays the penalty, pays the price. They're free now. I am redeemed, redeemed how I love to proclaim it, redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. That'll just be a song you sing, but it won't make any difference in how you live. If it's not revealed by the Holy Ghost to you, let's see it with the eye of faith. These will just be facts. That's it. Sanctification in Christ. Sanctification. In Christ. In Christ, the Holy Ghost is sanctifying us. We have this. This. We possess this. It's ours. You don't have to worry about whether or not you're going to be sanctified because that's what the Holy Ghost does. He's the one that produces the fruit. The fruit is Christ's likeness. You want to talk about the perfect expression of all these fruits, it's in Christ himself. And so what's the Holy Ghost, what, what, what has he been sent to do? It's to transform us from glory to glory. Day by day, through all those things of life, the Holy Ghost is working in us this transformation into the likeness of His Son. We have that in Christ's sanctification. As I said this morning, we are not the people we ought to be. nor what we want to be, but we're not the people we're going to be. And we're not what we're used to be. He's still changing us. Hmm. In Christ, we have, Peter says, all things that pertain to life and godliness. Can it get any better than that? All things that pertain to life and godliness. The Holy Ghost witnesses to something else, and this produces joy. He witnesses not only to the possessions we have in Christ, but to the prospects we have in Christ. The prospects. What are the prospects? Two things, grace and glory. Grace and glory, that is our prospect. That's why the Lord says, does he not in Jeremiah, I know the thoughts that I think toward you, thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you an expected end. Let me give you a more literal translation. I know the plans that I plan for you, plans of peace and not of evil to give you a future and a hope or a future full of hope. They thought otherwise, and that was their problem. That's why they were so morose and sad and depressed. The Lord steps in through Jeremiah and says to them, I know the plans, I know my will concerning you, and it's a plan of peace. Shalom is the word. It's prosperity. Not of evil or destruction. To give you a future full of hope. That's your prospect and mine. Promised. Grace. And glory to cap it off. That's why Paul could say, and you know, I'm sure, Paul, what, he, what that man went through, the beatings, the stonings, the persecution that we can only begin to imagine what it was like. And yet he could say, our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. It's so minor. In the big picture of things, it's brief. Eternity. No time, no end to it. It's not even a tick of a second on the clock. glory is forever. Glory that outlasts and outweighs all of our present troubles. There's a second way. Not only does the Holy Ghost nurture us by witnessing to us of Christ, but he nurtures this joy within us by his word First Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 6, Paul writes, Ye became followers of us and of the Lord, having received the word in much affliction with joy of the Holy Ghost. Receive the word with much affliction with joy of the Holy Ghost. There's a close link, you know, between the word of God and our joy between our receiving the word of God and our joy. It is true the Holy Ghost reveals Christ. Yes, he shows us our possessions in Christ and our prospects in the Lord Jesus Christ, but he does this in connection with the word of God, particularly with receiving and believing the word of God. Remember Jeremiah, he was, he was down. <laughs> he was in the valley of gloom bitter sorrow because he felt his ministry in Jerusalem was being completely rejected by the Jews. But he writes in chapter 15, verse 16, thy words were found and I did eat them and thy word was unto me the joy and rejoicing of mine heart. It wasn't the finding of God's word that brought the joy, it was the eating of them. Eating that brought the joy and rejoicing to his heart. you've got to pick up the word every day and not just read it but eat it eat it eat it assimilate it into your own soul appropriate it to your own life meditate is the old word I'm sure you know to chew the cud chew the cud How many times, how many times is it not true? We read the assigned chapter, the portion for the day. We've done it. Oh, that was nice. That was good truth there. And we go out and we forget all about it. And we would have a hard time two hours later to say what we read. Two hours later. What would you read? Let me think, let me think, let me think, let me think. It is God who has united this eating of the word with joy in our own souls. We can't and need not, must not expect to be filled with the joy of the Lord if we're not filled with the word of the Lord. They just go hand in hand. Filled with the word means filled with joy. Thirdly, the Holy Spirit nurtures joy in us by working holiness in us. Holiness and joy walk hand in hand. As much as sin and misery walk hand in hand. So the kingdom of God is righteousness. Which I believe is not a reference to imputed righteousness. But imparted righteousness. Holiness. So the Holy Ghost leads us. Produces joy in us. By... This might sound strange to you at first, convicting us of sin. It's the sin that's causing the misery. And so the Holy Ghost knows this and he must convict Christ's people of their sin because that's what's causing the problem. So he's got to reveal it. He's got to expose it. Convicting them. Convincing them. I've sinned. By creating spiritual desires. The Puritan said the desire for grace is grace. The desire for grace is grace. That's the Holy Ghost working. By conquering the flesh. Every victory over sin is a cause to rejoice. Every battle with Satan in the flesh is a reason for joy. Every earnest prayer, however feeble you might think that prayer may be, is a reason for joy. Finally, the Holy Spirit nurtures his joy within us by his walk with us. His walk with us. To walk in the Spirit is to walk in step with the Spirit. It is to walk in fellowship with the Spirit. Joy in the Holy Ghost. A joy that comes from walking in the Holy Spirit. So as we walk in communion, we experience growth and deepening of the joy of the Spirit. Augustine said that the natural response of fellowship with God is joy. The natural response of fellowship with God is joy. And so the psalmist said, In thy presence is fullness of joy. At thy right hand there are pleasures forevermore. And just maybe, just maybe this is the reason why many Christians lament A lack of joy. You and I can't have the joy of the Lord... ...if we are living for the flesh and for the world. That's not walking in the Spirit. We're not going to have the joy of the Lord. The problem with so many... ...is they expect to have... ...hope to have... ...deep spiritual joy... Without much spiritual thought. The majority of their thoughts are spent on the world. And very little time spent on thinking about the gospel. So the command that comes to every believer who wants to experience more of the Lord's joy, the Spirit's joy, is to walk in the Spirit. Walk in the Spirit, and you'll walk in the joy of the Holy Ghost. Don't walk in the Spirit, and you won't walk in the joy of the Holy Ghost, and your circumstances will be overwhelming to you. And you'll live in the valley of gloom. And you don't live there. Morose, unpleasant, sad all the time, groaning and moaning and complaining. It's nice being a guest preacher because I don't know you folk. And I can say whatever I like because I'm going to leave and Mr. Bastard have to clean up the mess. But I really don't know you. So I don't even know if I'm describing any of you. But you know what I know the Lord knows he just has this way of just hitting the nail on the head maybe you're sitting there saying Pastor Wagner I, I don't feel like I've had any joy in a long time how come how come There's got to be a reason. We've seen this afternoon how this works. So, is it the case of you're not walking in the Spirit? Because if you're walking in the Spirit, you're walking in the joy of the Lord. It's very simple, it's not complicated. I'm sure you all know the name Billy Sunday Billy Sunday who said if you have no joy in your religion there's a leak in your Christianity somewhere if you have no joy in your religion there's a leak somewhere in your Christianity so if there's a leak somewhere guess what you do You plug the leak you've got to plug the leak uproot the wrong thinking and the wrong living pray the spirit pray to the spirit he'll set your eyes on Christ who he is and what you have in him and the life and the walk he's called you to he deserves only your best he wants that then you'll live live really live really get down to living in the joy of the Holy Ghost may the Lord write his word on our hearts for his name's sake could we bow our heads in prayer let's seek the Lord together Father in heaven in this time to close the meeting We pray that Thou wilt close with any believer here who really has no joy. Grant, Lord, the Spirit's moving, convicting, those things that we have seen this afternoon. If there be a leak in the life, every care will be taken to plug the leak O God we pray since the joy of the Lord is our strength we pray thou would cause this fruit to abound that we might be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might the people that do know their God shall be strong and do exploits Spirit of the living God fall afresh upon us do those things that only thou canst do As we seek to walk in the Spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen.